This is Smarter Care Connections, a podcast produced by the Virginia Center for Health Innovation. Smarter Care Connections features conversations with faculty from the Smarter Care Virginia Low Value Healthcare Reduction Initiative, as well as other thought leaders and partners of the center. These conversations are intended to be informative, but easily digestible by healthcare professionals and policymakers interested in improving healthcare value. Thanks for listening. On this episode, we're chatting with members of Carilion Clinic's Smarter Care Virginia leadership team, Jane Colwell and Dr. T.A. Lucktong. They share how Carilion tackled low value, pre-op testing, and their lessons learned so far. Jane Colwell is the Quality Improvement Facilitator Team Leader for Carilion Clinical Advancement and Patient Safety. In this role, she organizes continuous improvement activities and manages high-profile improvement projects. In addition to her 10 years with Carilion, Jane has also worked at the Salem Veterans Affairs Medical Center and Medical University of South Carolina, where her clinical experiences included medical surgical trauma, outpatient surgery, pre-anesthesia, and post-anesthesia care for adult and pediatric populations. Jane graduated from Furman University with a BA in political science and received her BSN from Medical University of South Carolina. She later completed her MSN with a focus on leadership and healthcare systems from Grand Canyon University. She is joined by Dr. T.A. Lucktong, who is the co-director of Surgical Quality at Carilion Clinic, where he provides general, minimally invasive, and bariatric surgery. He is also a professor in the Department of Surgery at BT Carilion School of Medicine. Dr. Lucktong joined Carilion in 2002 and developed a practice specializing in complex laparoscopic and robotic surgery. From 2005 to 2016, he served as medical director for bariatric surgery. He has a long-standing interest in medical education and joined Carilion in part to be involved with medical student and resident education. Over the span of his career, he has been recognized through various regional awards and his scholarly activity has included multiple peer-reviewed publications, book chapters, and academic presentations. In 2019, Dr. Lucktong transitioned to a new role as co-director of surgical quality, where he is working to make a positive impact on patient care quality and safety at Carilion Clinic. He received his medical degree from the University of Virginia and completed general surgery residency at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh. Afterwards, he completed a fellowship in advanced gastrointestinal surgery and laparoscopy at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I will now hand it over to Steve Horan, um, Smarter Care faculty member, to take over the interview. Steve? Let's start with the big picture. And our first question is for Jane. As background, Smarter Care Virginia is focused on optimizing healthcare value by reducing the provision of low value services in Virginia. Can you give us some background on why Carilion decided to join Smarter Care Virginia and how this initiative fits with Carilion's overall vision? Well, every year Carilion includes a diagnostic stewardship initiative in its plan for the upcoming year. And so when VCHI reached out with the plans for Smarter Care Virginia, this really aligned with our goals and our organizational interest in applying the Choosing Wisely recommendations to reduce low-value care. 
At Carillion, we talk a lot about our values of commitment, collaboration, courage, compassion, um, and reducing low-value care is doing the right thing for our patients and community. Reducing low-value care expands our focus and capacity for providing high-value care, um, which I think is really the priority here at Carillion. Excellent. Thank you. So you mentioned choosing wisely. And as background for the next question for Dr. Lucktong, drop the pre-op is a recommendation of the National Choosing Wisely Initiative and one of the objectives in Smarter Care Virginia. We're aware that the Carillion team has done some creative work to optimize preoperative testing, including a pilot project to implement changes in pre-op protocols. Can you tell us how you developed that pilot project and share the key lessons you learned along the way? Sure. Um, it began with us examining data from Smarter Care Virginia that demonstrated opportunities for improvement in our pre-op testing. Um, we first started looking at our current processes. Um, pre-op testing in our facility is largely done by a protocol, um, a protocol that was developed many years ago. Um, this protocol, while it was effective for, for many cases, it uh, didn't um, consider overall patient risk as well, um, and it didn't factor in uh, procedure risk. So as a result, our protocol um, in some cases, uh, ordered routine testing for patients with uh, low risk, getting low risk procedures. So we uh, started developing a project to utilize a modified protocol to help us avoid low value testing. Um, in doing this, there, there are several challenges. Uh, one was identifying which patients were appropriate for this uh, minimal testing and then balancing uh, avoiding low value testing with patient safety, that is balancing over testing versus under testing. Uh, we recognized early on that there are multiple stakeholders involved in the process of um, preoperative uh, patient care. So uh, we recognized that everybody at each step had to understand what, what changes we were proposing so that things would work. So the surgeon, the surgeon scheduler, the pre-op testing center uh, had to be aware of what we were trying to do before day of surgery. And then on the day of surgery, the, the pre-op nursing staff and anesthesia providers had to be aware of what we were doing in order for things to work because otherwise folks would default back to the old protocol um, and uh, potentially over-test. We knew that uh, with a lot of people involved, we needed a, um, a systemic and widespread education program to accommodate the uh, protocol adjustments. Uh, this, this was one of our key lessons. Uh, you know, one, one thing that I took away from this is that the change is really complex and you have to consider all the stakeholders involved in order for things to work. Um, so as we planned this out, we started by figuring out how to define the patient population. So um, what we're trying to do is reduce uh, testing, low value testing in patients who are generally healthy, ASA1, ASA2 patients who are getting low risk procedures. So we had to figure out how our system uh, categorized patients into different ASA groups. And we found that most of the designation is done on the day of surgery by anesthesia. And, you know, just 
by virtue of how things are defined, it, it is somewhat subjective. So um, we had to figure out how to make the determination of what, what ASA class patient was before surgery, before they reached anesthesia. The other thing we had to figure out was, you know, what procedures are considered low risk. Uh, after um, some searching and uh, Jane helping me connect to the right people, uh, we found the uh, that that there's um, a, a table that lists the low risk CPT codes um, um, produced uh, by Smarter Care of Virginia. Um, so we use those codes to help us define which cases, which procedures were low risk. Um, Next, we looked at our current protocol and compared it to um, the Milliman Healthcare uh, Waste Calculator designations of what is uh, or isn't low-value care. And we saw when we compared these, there were you know several areas of overlap with our pr current protocol, and there were some areas where our protocol um, you know overtested. So we uh, next worked on this protocol with anesthesia. Uh, and I, I all along had to emphasize to, to our providers that, you know, we're not looking at uh, all or none testing, but rather a, a reduced um, set of criteria to help limit low value care. In the end, we came up with a protocol that, that um, looks very much like our old protocol with a few exceptions. Um, so next we, um, or concurrently, we, uh, started working on developing high quality educational job aids and plans for edu educating all the multiple groups of stakeholders involved. Um, we, uh, we also developed a way to look at um, leading indicators. So we recognize that, um, you know, Smarter Care Virginia data lags um, because it's dependent on um, coding and billing data and then analysis of this data. So we wanted something that would give us a better sense of how things were working, how our intervention was functioning um, you know, early on. So um, we, we worked with our data analysts and uh, developed a way to you know, pull from, from our EMR um, data about the patient's ASA status and um, cross-referencing case data with the uh, table of low-risk CPT procedures, CPT codes. And uh, we developed a, um, a discrete field in our EMR for um, Smarter Care Virginia patients as a marker for those who might be eligible for this um, reduced uh, testing. So after all that was in place, we, uh, we started to implement our plan. And so our pilot plan was to, was to occur in general surgery patients uh, within one group in Roanoke here. Um, and the plan started with the surgeon identifying patients who were low risk um, by using the ASA definitions and uh, identifying which patients were ASA 1, ASA 2. And of those patients, which patients were undergoing low risk procedures by cross-referencing with the table B list of uh, CPT codes. So the surgeon is supposed to figure out which patient uh, is Smarter Care Virginia eligible, okay? 
And so once once they figure out which which patients were eligible to communicate in their posting request that these patients are eligible by marking in the EMR that the patient is uh, quote Smarter Care Virginia or SCV was the abbreviation we used. Uh, so this SCV marker in the EMR would be communicated from the scheduler to all downstream phases of care so that there was a, a standard place for everybody else to look to see if the, this was a Smarter Care Virginia patient. And based on this marker, the patients would get the modified testing protocol um, that, that we developed, um, you know, looking at Millen Healthcare uh, Health Waste Calculator. So this pilot was just in general surgery. I'm a general surgeon myself. Uh, it was with my partners who I communicate with regularly and have a good relationship with. Um, and, you know, I thought that, that given this, that we'd have a successful pilot. But, you know, we uh, looked at our interim data uh, to see how things were going. And this was a key lesson, having the interim inter having this data was very important because otherwise we would have never known that um, this wasn't functioning as planned. What we discovered in looking at our, at our interim data was that uh, we had very low surgeon compliance with this uh, designation of uh, SCV. Um, it, it was just enough of an interruption to the normal workflow that uh, surgeons, you know, my partners who I speak to all the time and you know, educated well about this, didn't do it regularly. So um, we were able to look at, at our data and, and found that the minority of patients, excuse me, we found that of the patients going to the main OR, only a minority of them were Smarter Care Virginia eligible. You know, and, and that makes sense. I mean, these are the patients who are getting higher risk procedures, higher risk patients, so they get get taken care of in the main OR where, where there, there are more resources. Um, we also found, uh, we found though, that um, at the Ambulatory Surgery Center, uh, many of our patients were eligible for Smarter Care Virginia uh, criteria. I think this is part, partially because of the selection criteria already in place for ambulatory surgical care surgery. Um, it favors patients who are lower risk, who are getting lower risk procedures. So we had kind of a built-in way to select um, select a location for, for these patients. So based on this information, we modified the plan. Um, it took, again, talking to all the stakeholders involved. And the, the latest plan that we have come up with is that all our pilot group patients getting surgery at at, ambulatory, at our ambulatory surgery center uh, would be designated as having as Smarter Care Virginia patients. So these patients would all be tagged and all undergo this modified testing protocol that uh, limits the testing as long as they're, they're healthy and getting low risk procedures. So um, this plan started recently, so we don't have any data, but I'm working on getting additional data analysis resources so that we can look at, you know, things like the total number of orders at labs ordered on our SCV patients versus non-SCV patients done in the at ambulatory versus main OR to assess the kind of impact that we have with this modified protocol. 
Um, we intend to expand to other groups uh, have, getting surgery at an ambulatory surgery center. It's not just general surgery, but other groups like orthopedics, ENT, dental, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately, we are going to work on transitioning um, our platform to uh, into our EHR um, through uh, Epic's Procedure Pass um, feature. Thank you. Wow. That is quite an innovation, multi-level, and it goes really deep and wide across Carilion. I'd like to follow up on a few key points that you touched on. One of those is clinician engagement, which is, of course, essential for implementing change. How would you advise a leader from another organization who came to you for advice about what should I make sure I do or what should I make sure I avoid when I'm trying to engage clinicians around low value care reduction? Well, one of the take home points in, in our experience was that it, it is important to talk to the multiple stakeholders to understand everybody involved in the process and make sure that everybody understands uh, the why uh, of, of, of your project. Um, you know, part of part of what I've done is I've used the phrase reduce low value pre-op testing as opposed to simply drop the pre-op. Um, you know, I've, I think this this phrase, while it's not as catchy, is more precise and it doesn't minimize the significance of pre-op testing so that, you know, when I re reference this, uh, everybody understands what I'm trying to do not get rid of pre-op testing, but really reduce low value pre-op testing. Um, and, you know, I've talked to the multiple stakeholders, but when I discuss with everybody, I'd be sure to include, you know, the financial impact of low value care and its, its potential delays in our patient care and possible harm from the iatric genetic cascade. And, and for this, I've used slides that were provided by Smarter Care Virginia. Uh, and so it's been very helpful using their slides to, to uh, communicate to our, our stakeholders. Um, we have designed a flyer modeled on a prior sample provided by Smarter Care Virginia uh, for posting in multiple areas. Designed this for future use so that, you know, when we want to broaden our communication, we'll have this flyer to, to uh, share with everybody. Finally, um, an important lesson that I learned was that automation and hardwiring is much more likely to be impactful, more impactful, is more, much more likely to be more impactful than education alone. Education itself, uh, you know, even even when you think the education is getting through, uh, it it doesn't is not as effective as hardwiring and automation to uh, drive behavior behavioral changes. A really good lesson there is around strategic messaging. Um, it, it strikes me that you put a lot of thought into how to communicate this initiative to your clinicians and teams and ways that really resonated and made sense with them. And I think that's really key and appreciate that. The other thing I really appreciate is um, using your language, the hardwiring and the automation. You know, through your descriptions, I've heard you mention on um, 
the electronic health record, clinical decision supports, the workflows that you need to help clinicians reduce pre-op testing, and the reporting, the data and the reporting. Stepping back, again, if you were to advise another leader about how to get started on the infrastructure piece, what would be the key lessons learned there? Um, for me, the first part of this was understanding the, the current workflow. So talking to our um, frontline providers and figuring out how the process works at, at their level before, you know, putting it all together and, um, you know, figuring out a way to change the process. Um, once we, once we understood better um, all steps in the process, we were able to design job aids um, based on the existing existing workflows so that um, each step, each group is addressed uh, through the job aid. Um, you know, specifically talking about their, their part of the, the bigger picture. Um, so we created job aids so that they would be, um, you know, high quality and, and shareable with multiple groups, um, with new employees, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a, a good, good set of instructions um, that, that people can reference in the future. Um, as far as clinical decision uh, goes, I found that clinical decision supports on paper are not quite as effective, at least among our, our surgeons, because the, the, the instructions for designating a patient as SmarterCare Virginia or not were posted in our offices on paper, on the wall, clear, where everybody could see them. But they just, you know, it's, it's an extra step because most of us are, are living in the electronic health record and not coming outside to, to, um, to make decisions about what, what we're going to do. Um, so, you know, I found that we found that the, 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 the supports on paper aren't effective, aren't as effective. So um, we think that the answer to that is, you know, implementing the decision supports within the electronic health record. So to that end, um, coincidentally, uh, we have been working on transitioning to um, Epic Procedure Pass, which is a, uh, a uh, functionality within our uh, EHR that will help us um, automate, um, automate our protocol. Um, it um, eventually, uh, will be an EPIC-based protocol that will help drive um, procedure testing uh, task assignment. We are currently in the uh, protocol consolidation stage so that uh, we, we, we're put getting all the different, you know, variations of our protocol at our different uh, centers, uh, consolidating it into one single system version. Um, you know, I've, we've learned that transition is difficult and it requires a coordinated team effort. Um, but, you know, it, it seems to be much better um, when there's multiple stakeholders involved and is, is received much better when the stakeholders are involved in the development of the plan. Um, so as we're, dev as we 
have worked on the plans that we've we've um, we've designed, and um, you know, the, as we're doing the work to prepare for the future, you know, we, I've recognized that it's really important to be at the table uh, and, and be part of the discussion and be vocal to ensure that you know that evidence-based protocol development is is carried out. Um, you know, it's one of the things that uh, I've learned with the new with the transition to EPIC procedure paths. And the, there are uh, the EMR folks who don't have a clinical background who rely on, you know, the expertise of, of the clinicians to provide, you know, to, to help direct the protocol development. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you're not there as a cl clinical leader, um, things may not be done as well as they could be. Thank you. There's so many takeaways that we can learn from in your experience, more than I can mention, but I'll, I'll mention three. One is the importance of multi-stakeholder involvement early on. Really appreciate that. Second is strategic and authentic messaging about the why and the how. Definitely heard that in your story. And then third, embedding um, the innovation all the way through the workflow into the EHR, um, that, that seems to be really key as well. So we appreciate that, uh, sharing those lessons learned. Uh, let's look forward now. Um, looking forward, uh, it'll be essential to sustain focus and momentum. What's your strategy for sustaining and perhaps expanding this platform as you go forward? So the, the work we've done with our current platform will be uh, incorporated into our future um, EPIC procedure pass. Th this will function, uh, will serve a central role in a broader preoperative surgical home um, program that we're developing. The, um, the hardwiring that, that, that will be available through the the uh, procedure pass functionality should help standardize processes and uh, hopefully facilitate future systemic protocol adjustments as needed. Uh, all the changes that began with Smarter Care Virginia should continue within procedure pass to sustain the reduction of low value care, uh, low value pre-op testing at Carillion. Thank you, Dr. Lucktong, and thank you, Jane Caldwell. Uh, thank you for innovating. You know, the work you're doing is really important for patients and providers across Carilion and also across the communities that you serve. And we really appreciate that. We appreciate you being part of Smarter Care Virginia and sharing your innovations with us. Uh, we can really learn a lot from your experience at Carilion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smarter Care Connections. 